Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Welcome, guys, back from hiatus. I am Vicky Barcelona. We also have Joey Dees. Hello. And surprisingly, I don't know how the hell we found him, but we did. We have BJ Shea. I know, huh? Can you believe it? Here I am. We are back from hiatus, bringing you all that geeky goodness. And on today's episode, we're going to hear from Gareth von Kallenbach from Skewed and Reviewed and uh, get some info about some big E3 news and more. A rundown. There's been a lot of shows. So House of Dragons, Lord of the Rings, maybe a few others. And then we'll finish it up with some movie and TV show with the Geek Sheet. Uh, if you would like to get a hold of us, check out our website, bjgeeknation.com, as well as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes. And the Odyssey app, just search BJ, BJ Geek Nation, BJ Shea's Geek Nation, and you will find us. Now, getting to our first episode, Back from Hiatus, I hear you talk to Gareth Von Kallenbach. How was he? How is he doing? Gareth is doing great, Vicky. We are back, and he had a bunch of stuff to talk to us about. A little bit of Modern Warfare 2, some big E3 news, and some WB drama. When but, don't they have drama? Oh, they've got drama, especially after all that Batgirl stuff, but <clears throat> I think we should just get right into it. With Gareth. With us today, we have Gareth Vaughn Kallenbach from Skewed and Review. That's SKNR.net. Gareth, we have been off for a while and there is a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, What do you want to start off with today? Well, I think one of the biggest things is the news that broke uh, earlier this week about the return of E3 in uh, June of this year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, E3's been off. It was virtual one year. It was canceled, obviously, due to the pandemic. They had a a uh, much reduced uh, digital version one year, and then there was no show at all last year. And, you know, some speculated what is going to happen because you had the Summer Game Fest uh, doing a lot of this virtually. Would there be a demand for an in-person convention again? You know, we've already seen with PAX, some of the bigger companies are still not coming back and doing their own thing. And then we got word that Reed Pop, who handles uh, several shows like C2E2, Emerald City Comic Con, PAX, is going to be uh, producing the show, and they were coming back. And, wow, you know, really big news. And then they dropped the news that it's coming back uh, June 13th through the 16th of next year, once again in L.A., but there's some really interesting wrinkles that are being added to the show this year, and I'm very curious what the public is going to make of this. What's going on with those wrinkles? Are, are, is it going to be in person? I know the last time, like you said, they went virtual, but I assume they'll have booths and everything back again. Oh, absolutely. It is coming back. And what, what is interesting about it is that uh, for many years when I covered the show, it was only for media um, and what they call industry professionals. So that'd be people who designed the games, people who marketed the games, bought for retailers, and the media. Yeah, you'd see every now and then there'd be a sprinkling of people, and then they started to sell tickets, say about 10,000 and 15,000 let the public in, and that became kind of chaotic the first year. So it became, well, we're going to let the media in a little early, and then the public comes after. And it seems like what they're doing is they're building around that concept. So what they're going to have is they're going to have days that are for professionals only. And then days for the general public. So if you're like me and you say, I think I want to just go there and do my coverage and get my business done, well, you're going to get the first days of the show. And if you say, I don't want to have anything to do with, you know, dealing with the public and fighting the crowds and that uh, as, you know, more people, you don't have to, or you can choose to take part in that. So they have a pretty uh, spread out thing. And they're even having, now this one's really interesting They're referring to partnered digital events and showcases that will start two days before. So, you know, the question is, is the Summer Games Fest people coming back into the fold and they're going to do the few days leading up to the live in-person shows? Or is this them as a direct response saying we're going to try to, you know, mitigate that side because they've even said they're considering doing a live show. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, that's quite odd, but I do like the idea of throwing out a bigger net and at least trying to capture you know, the entire audience, because it is difficult when you want to show your games to people in the market, but then also to the people who are actually building them. Exactly. And, you know, and they're referring to a deep dive, and I've had people say, well, you know, we, they can do these things online, like Sony does the state of play and all of that. And I, as I used to say, yeah, absolutely, you can do that, but it is not the same as being there in person. Showing me a trailer that's been edited beyond belief uh, to make the game look good is great, but there's no substitute for seeing it 
playing it and even taking in the ambiance of how did they decorate the booth? How are they promoting it? Uh, that sort of thing. And that's the hype is, you know, being there at the booth, seeing it, and then, you know, having them say, oh, by the way, we actually have playable builds out back. We're going to uh, take you off the main floor into a special area and let you play these things. Oh, yeah, definitely. Getting that personal experience with it definitely helps build the hype. It definitely helps give you that uh, behind-the-scenes feeling of, okay, this game is really getting close to completion, and I'm excited to play it. And speaking of games like that, uh, I know that you actually had a chance to play one of the uh, games that's been uh, hot recently, uh, just released its beta for the weekend, and that was Modern Warfare 2. Absolutely, and that was uh, a lot of fun. I know it's going to be coming out at the end of October, but I uh, had a few days at it with the PlayStation 5 version before going to the PC. I cannot play a first-person shooter on the console. It's just that the controller completely throws me off. Never been able to adapt to learn that, and so I was grateful that they had the third-person mode for it. Yes. So for some reason, I could play a shooter on console in third-person mode, but not in first-person. I love it. Yeah, but but the real plus was when the PC one opened up over the weekend and I was able to get back onto my system and start doing it the way I intended to. And then they put down those huge patches to not only put in the new maps, but they had the invasion mode. And, uh, you know, that was great. To me, that one really was intriguing. There was, um, I know we talked off air that you hadn't had a chance to play it, but essentially imagine a, a gigantic city block and multi-level buildings you can crash through windows you can climb up the side of the buildings uh playgrounds that sort of stuff and it's essentially two squads just literally coming at each other non-stop the biggest gripe i had was if people push forward fast enough they can take the uh, rooftops and start sniping you where you spawn but you know people were helicoptering in you could take uh suvs and run over people and eventually armor came in you could grab crates to uh Pulling kill streaks and stuff like that, and even though they take forever to capture, <laughs> dropping a, a stealth bomber or getting the gunner on one of the gunships on the B two was uh, quite enjoyable. Yeah, that's one of the things that grabbed my attention from the trailer and the fact that they had built uh, the new engine essentially from the ground up was that there seemed to be a lot more collision with the terrain and the vehicles and the way they handled together. And because I like you know first person shooter, but you know Fortnite has building and you know Apex has special abilities. It's like what is COD going to add to it? And it kind of seems like they've done a lot there. Absolutely, and the the beautiful new engine on it was really impressive. And you know you can see, thankfully, having the newer generation graphic cards really helps out in being able to take advantage of some of this and you know there's part of me thinking back to some of the old days like games like red faction where you could actually destroy walls and stuff going yeah it would be fun if you could literally just take some firepower and destroy a building but you know from a programming standpoint that could be an absolute nightmare but the the options were really good i mean yeah there's tweaks like hit detection is still a bit iffy and you know play balance as in you take an automatic gun and put two clips in a guy and he stands there but takes you out with one shot from a pistol (laughs) and you're like okay but you know as you adapt and you start to learn this gun's got that you know this one pulls to the right this one goes up this one's better at a distance and you start you know adapting to it and as they start patching in and they were patching it all weekend long if you noticed it was like you know as i the more i played it i'm like yeah i'm learning this better because there is always a a little bit of an adjustment between each call of duty uh but you know i i'm very intrigued with this and of course you know the campaign is a big deal but the bread and butter is the multiplayer and as i used to say this one has to do it well because from what we're hearing there is no 2023 Call of Duty release. It's going to be Warzone 2. So this Modern Warfare 2 has got to last gamers till 2024. So they're going to have all kinds of season updates and passes and new contents and special events. And so they've got to really make sure they grab the base right off the bat and not have people say, oh, it, you know, it sucks and, they're, you know, not have the hype that it did uh, yeah, behind it. Definitely, and that does make sense because the game looks and feels a lot different. I mean, I know they took out slide canceling immediately, which I was very happy about because that was too many buttons for me. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, it is uh, it is uh, not shocking to hear that they have put a lot of time in because I know I think it's like two or three years just building even like the, the new game and the Warzone, of course, which was wildly popular uh, and in addition, essentially just a game type that was added on to the last Warzone or Modern Warfare, so... Very excited for that. 
But moving along from games, what do we have to do with movies and, and TV shows, Gareth? I know there's more stuff in Warner with Warner Brothers and shows getting canceled. What what is happening over with that studio? Oh my goodness, this this is such a chaotic mess. It, it seems to me almost like a masterclass in how not to run things. But the <laughs> simple the simple version is best I can make. What is it? A very complicated and uh, changing situation. And honestly, in all my years of covering entertainment, I have never seen anything like this. But what happened was, as people know, Warner Brothers and Discovery merged and formed a new company. And it seems that the executives from Discovery are basically calling the shots on many things. And so we had a lot of things that had been announced, especially on the DC side, uh, like the Wonder Twins movie, immediately scrubbed. You had uh, the Bat um, Woman movie that was apparently 90-something percent done, completely scrubbed. Not only is it not going to be completed, it's never going to be released. And so that's created a bit of controversy. We've heard stories that there's only a couple of movies coming out. I know we've had Don't Worry Darling, we have Black Adam coming later, and I think there's one more this year. We're, her, we're hearing that's because they don't have the money to properly pay for the promotion and release of these films, you know, the TV ads, the bus ads, billboards, that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. And then we hear things like the plan was they were going to come in and do this slash and burn to save $3 billion. Well, apparently most of it has backfired spectacularly, and they're now looking at losses near of $6 billion. And you go, okay, that's pretty bad. And then, as I said, this thing about they don't have the money to release the films, allegedly, and then you're hearing stories like, well, this is obviously not sitting very well with creatives and people, and they're possibly advising people not to take part in all of this. So, And they get kicked with legendary films who, as you may remember, were the folks behind Dune. They're the folks that were behind um, the Godzilla films, that sort of thing. Apparently, they were not happy with the decision to release the films during the pandemic on HBO Max. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do remember that. So they're, they're stuck that they basically are going to poss- uh, you know, be looking for a new home. And you go, okay, that's pretty bad. So all this is done, you think it's calmed down. And then you hear rumors that the ultimate goal of this is to sell the division and that Paramount, uh, not Paramount, excuse me, Universal is interested in picking it up, but they can't do so until 2024 because this merger had just happened, and then the FCC situation has to, you know, be approved. So, you know, again, you go, wow, this is another thing. This is another thing. Every week it's something new. Now we're hearing that they're going through and that when certain streaming deals for their properties are expiring, not only are they not renewing them, they're erasing content. Uh, There's the science fiction series Final Space, The creator has apparently come on and said once the deal for season three ends, it will be taken off social media. It will not be released in a physical format. And they're hearing that to, quote unquote, get a tax break, the series is going to be scrubbed. And they're essentially saying there will be no record anywhere on the planet outside of an illegal copy that a season three ever existed. And now others are coming out saying, yeah, they're going to scrub our shows as well or remove them from social media. And there'll be no record that these things ever existed uh, going forward. That is such an odd move. I don't even understand why you would, wouldn't want the content. Like, what, <laughs> how could they benefit from that? Uh, apparently, it's all down to finances. It's a case of, well, is it better to essentially take the hit right now and get a boost on your stock? Oh, having a resource that you may need five, 10, 15 years down the road. And I'm sure they're probably looking at it going, well, is, you know, what's the five year, 10 year, 15 year benefit for these shows uh, versus this. But, you know, there is an old saying, that's why we have all these black and white and silent films still around that there is something to say about not only preserving history, but you never know what happens if someone from that show goes on and becomes a big success from something that they have yet to release. And all of a sudden the demand for their past work, look at all these things on streaming that were long thought gone. And all of a sudden they get a revival and what happens? Everybody wants to see the old season. So who knows? It, it, it definitely is not sitting well among creative types because their attitude is once we create something, 
knowing at the very least it's in a vault somewhere is a comforting um, place. And when you have something like Batwoman, where they're essentially going to destroy all copies of it, so on and so forth, you know, that's that's not sitting well at all with the creative industry. Yeah, that has to be incredibly frustrating as an artist to create a product. I mean, especially when you look at Batgirl, like you said, when you're 95% complete, they spend millions of dollars and then, you know, you don't even get to see anyone. No one gets to see it. You don't get to see it essentially, even in its completed form. And then they just ax it. And now it just. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and people say, look at Michael Keaton's situation. He returned as Batman for that film. That's not going to be seen. And now you have the Flash movie that's completely in limbo because of the star's um, erratic behavior. And people are like, you know, Michael Keaton came back and did two performances. We may never see those. Yeah, that is just brutal. And, you know, I mean, I give you my hearts go out to them because, I mean, especially Brandon Fraser, who is going to be a, a bad guy in Batgirl. I mean, I think everyone was excited to see his return to the screen, you know, in, you know, big movie form. Absolutely. And it's just, it makes no sense. And you, you sit there and that's, you know, it comes back down to money because that's what everybody seems to say is that the person calling the shots, the goal seems to be to make this thing um, viable for sale as soon as they can. And I've heard 2024 is the number that they're looking at, but it seems to me that the path they're taking to doing this is alienating all these creative content makers and what happens in 2024 if indeed you're trying to sell this thing and you're trying to say we've got a lean mean streamlined thing i mean you know we haven't even touched this whole mess with jj abrams that they he signed this massive deal with them to create content and there's nothing even close to coming out really and yet they still have to pay it lots of money and so it's it's a very bad situation where you look at it and say what is left in two years you've alienated so many producer filmmakers such we don't want to work with you yeah i mean i don't know what you can do at that point i mean i'm sure that after losing six billion dollars i think everyone in that uh, company is looking uh, for something to do figure out how to fix it absolutely and you know and i haven't seen it yet obviously we're a little bit of buzz people they think black adam could be a big failure because Either A, not that good, or B, they just are not going to be able to promote him behind it. And it's like, wow, you know, that's scary. Yeah. Well, Gareth, thank you for joining us again. It's, it's awesome to be back. I'm glad we got to get you on and learn all this insane and exciting stuff. I mean, good on Warzone and E3, but, you know, or Modern Warfare, but, you know, maybe uh, <laughs> Warner Brothers and Discovery, their merger might not have been as good as they thought it was going to be. No, I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty, and, you know, one of these new Black Adam comes out and is a massive billion-dollar hit for them. They may all of a sudden look like geniuses, and that money can fund who knows what else. But right now, it definitely has a lot of people scratching their heads. Definitely. Well, thank you again, Gareth, and I uh, appreciate you joining us. Take care. Thank you so much, Gareth. And now, I feel like we've just been inundated with a bunch of, like, remakes and prequels and everything going on, and I have not been able to catch up. I don't know how the hell you guys did it. Between House of Dragons and Lord of the Rings, Ring of Power, how are you guys enjoying that? Well, how are we enjoying that? Uh, it's funny because uh, Joy Dees and I have been having some offline conversations about both shows, and I feel like we are we're pretty much in agreement that uh, one of the shows we're really enjoying and the other show is okay, and um, uh, jo- though Joey D's, I think, will tell you it's less than okay based on plot. But Wait, I Joey guess, doesn't like something what? and has strong opinions about something? Me? Yeah, he may not be wrong, though, about this one. A lot, of pe- a lot of people who are uh, Lord of the Rings fans. Ah, man, they're just not, they're they're, they're just screaming and yelling, Uh, you know, some stupid stuff that shouldn't have to do with anything when it comes to who they pick for acting and who's playing what. That shouldn't be a thing. You know, whether or not it follows the books, I think that's legitimate, at least to talk about. I never read the books, so I don't have as much upset with what's going on. And even still... It's unfortunate that it's running at the same time as Game of Thrones House of Dragons, which I love that show. And in comparison, it's tough. I mean, Lord of the Rings is beautiful. Rings of Power is beautiful. It's well done, well shot. But when it comes to acting and story, boy, House of Dragons just kicks its ass. Uh, Joey Dees, what do you think? I'm in an agreement and and in shock, to be honest with you. If you had told me that the billion-dollar Lord of the Rings show would be worse than the rehashing of the Game of Thrones world with House of Dragons, I mean, I would have told you you were crazy. 
But, you know, here we are. I think we're about six episodes into each almost. And, I mean, Lord of the Rings, it doesn't, I mean, it's it's slow. Slow, no no lovable characters. The, the world is just boring. And it's not following any of the traditional, uh, st- you know, the uh, storyline and the, the great history that that show has. And, and then Game of Thrones, on the other hand, I mean, just hits right like the old Game of Thrones did. A little slow in the beginning, build up your characters, get the plot moving. Then all of a sudden you got some politics and some killings and some deaths and some dragons. And it's everything you want. Yeah, and, and I know it's House of the Dragon, even though I call it House of Dragons. But yeah, it's House of the Dragon. I don't know how, and I didn't read any of the George R. R. Martin stuff, but from what I'm hearing, for the most part, uh, those fans are not screaming and yelling, so I guess the story is exactly how it's supposed to be. For me, I don't know anything except that uh, the only disappointment I've had, and it wasn't a huge disappointment, but it's just that when you get used to actors and, and, and actresses and then they go time jump and then it's a super time jump where they actually have to change the actor and actress because they're older. Um, that's a little disappointing because I really loved uh, the character, you know, the, 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 the woman that was playing young Renaris. I, I really thought she was doing a terrific job. And she, out of all the people I'm going to miss the most, uh, though the new Renaris, I mean, she did a good job. I, I, you know, I give her credit. Matt Smith, of course, for us Doctor mm-hmm. Who fans or you Crown fans, is killing it as Damon, the crazy Targaryen brother. And um, but boy, it's a good cast. It's a really good cast. Um, You're totally and, forgetting and, Morbius, that grand movie. Hey! Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, he was in that, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm with I'm with Joey D's. Uh, House of the Dragon is definitely uh, you know some people might think that the the dragons look a little. I've heard some people say they look a little too cartoony or goofy, but eh, I'm not you know whatever. They're dragons. What am I going to do? I don't know what a dragon's supposed to look like. Um, but That's you fair. know you you're getting a. It is interesting. We've, we're getting to see a little bit of how the Mad, the mad King, Aegon, uh, who was always hinted at in the original Game of Thrones, we're starting to see, I, you know, the whole family is, you know, they're basically saying you really shouldn't be having kids with, you know, your own people. Mm-hmm. You know, you really got to branch out because they're crazy people when they're born that way. And Aegon is definitely fitting the bill. There was a, a scene that I really can't describe in the latest episode where his mom comes in to have a conversation, but Aegon was busy. Uh, <laughs> and it was a very disturbing scene. Okay. Uh, and, and mom didn't. And how about mom? Lady Alice, Queen Allison didn't even bat an eye. It's just like, so you know, she walks in on her son standing naked out a window doing a particular activity. And it doesn't even like phase her. Like she knows what's going on, but she's got more important business to talk with this, who obviously is a crazy kid. And it, she's not making it any better. And yeah, like Joey said, the politics and the craziness and the and the, the you know the secrets and the lies and oh man, it is just um, and you got to feel sorry, Joe, for the uh, for the king who does seem to be a pretty decent guy. And you know what? Doesn't pay to be a decent guy in the Game of Thrones universe. Yeah, you know, I think that's the one thing that you nailed it on the head. That this show does really well is you feel like these characters are different, but they all feel like original Game of Thrones character. Allison really feels like uh, Queen Cersei, like she's going to become that character trying to yes. protect her so kids. Feels very familiar. Yeah, and then Ned Stark really feels like the king now, where he's a good guy, but all the people around him are are just failing and they're doing terrible things, and it's going to end up he's going to die and sacrifice himself for essentially nothing. Just, just great parallels between the two, and they. Oh, I mean, I give them credit, and I wanted to hate it. You know that that end of the Game oh, of yeah. Thrones, the last season, really. Yeah. I mean, one of the worst things that I thought happened in television history after being so good. But they, yeah. I give them credit. The writers, they have redeemed themselves on this one. They're not the same writers. HBO has redeemed themselves. The show writers have, you know, shown us that you can do better Game of Thrones with less material, which is shocking. But man, yeah, I'm fully on board, and just to. Draw that line over to the Lord of the Rings show where they have a billion dollars, fresh writers, mm. the biggest CGI budget you could possibly ask for, any actors or actresses you want, and we get, I don't, yeah. I don't know, no storylines. Yeah, I just, you know, uh. their dialogue just seems almost childish at points. Like it's almost mm. like I'm watching a musical, and the, the characters just don't feel likable. The main character. Uh, Oh, I hate her name. Gladriel. Gladriel. Yeah, is the least likable main character. She was. She was was in the the in the original Lord of the Rings. Original Lord of the Rings. She was played by Kate uh, Kate Blanchett, who did such a great job. Yeah, that's the problem. And and 
I'm not, you know, the 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 actress who plays Galadriel, and I and I'm and I don't have her name in front of me, but uh, you know, I don't necessarily think that that you know she's the problem. It sometimes it is just bad writing. Um, I, you know, at times I like her at times she captures my attention, but then at times I really don't care. And that's where you got to go. Like, is that writing? Is that, what is that? Is that bad directing? Not sure what to call it. Uh, it is, uh, it is unfortunate because I really wanted to like these folks. Um, and but there's not many people I like. I kind, I actually like, uh, the Dwarven Prince's wife. Uh, which which is ironic since everybody seems to hate that character for really bad reasons. I really liked her, even though at some point they even made her seem dumb with just a thing that she did that is just bad writing. It's like, no, mm-hmm. she's not going to do that. But she did. And why? Who cares? It was, this, it, you know, there's lies going on, but then they reveal the lie and you go, well, that was 15 minutes of television that really didn't need to happen because now everybody knows 15 minutes ago we didn't know. So what was the point of that? Yeah. Um, Durin is the best part of the show and he is the king prince or the dwarven prince. And yes, he's, he's good. Him and Elrond, their relationship is the one redeeming quality of this show. But the problem is the story they're wrapped up in is so unbelievable for the, for the scene that they're supposed to be putting on, this whole like yeah. stage that they're setting up. You know, it's called the Rings of Power, and spoiler alert for people who haven't seen anything yet. We have no mention of anything like that. Yet. I keep seeing <laughs> memes out there that are like waiting every episode, like where are the rings, where are the rings. <laughs> right. Well, we want you to watch this show for five plus years, so we're not going to show you the rings maybe till season three. Mm, I don't know. Oh god! And we all know what's going to happen. We get it. It's like that's the problem. We know what's going to happen. They go, well, is Sauron here? Is it really happening? None of us believe. It. They go. Duh, well, we know he's here. We know he's here. We know he's going to be here. We know he's a thing. And so my brain is just like, eventually you're going to find out he's a thing. And yeah, it's on Galadriel. Basically, no one listens to her. Okay, we get it. I, I, I'm i kind of uh, assuming this is like the Mephisto. Like, ah, ah, is he it? No, no, no. Is he it? Yeah, that's Mephisto. No, no, no. That That's is what just... they're trying to do. There's an entire storyline to make you think what could be Gandalf, who knows if it is or not, is Sauron. But it's but you're just sitting there like, but it doesn't really matter because if it is Sauron, that means the story's terrible. And if it isn't Sauron, then it just means we've spent 45 minutes plus on a storyline that doesn't matter. Yes, <laughs> it could even be Saruman. Uh, you know, yeah. the, the reason everybody thinks it's Gandalf is because the Harfoots, who are, I guess, an offshoot we found out of the of the Hobbits, um, they are, or they're one sect of Hobbits, and eventually they'll all come together and become the hobbits at the Shire, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, you know, they're trying to have mysteries. And again, then there's House of the Dragon. And that's yeah. the problem. You just, you just hard to have both shows on at the same time and not make a comparison. Yeah. I wish they were both as good. Uh, they're not. And that's uh, without yeah, even mentioning not. the lore. Like, and now I'm not a huge lore person when it comes to Lord of the Rings, besides all the movies. But I did do a little diving, and man, I guess they didn't have rights to like the first or third age, so they couldn't mention anything from them. That is important what? to say. Their hands are tied. Yeah, I've, you know, Joe, that is a good. You know, and that they're doing the best they can, considering. They have to do what they have to do. It's just like with Star Trek Discovery. They got in. People were so mad at them because they changed the Klingons, but it wasn't their call. It's like, I don't know if it's CBS or some company that said, legally, you have to make the aliens look different. And, and, and I don't know if it's so they can license new toys. And so Star Trek Discovery went through so much grief about what they did to the Klingons. And they're like, we had to. We, we, we were told we had to make them look different than what you've seen before. It wasn't our call. Yeah, and I don't and... want to excuse the bad writing and the terrible plot development for the show just because of that. But I do think it is worthy to note there's a reason why they did change yeah. things, at least. <laughs> Hands tying is really suck. It really sucks. And I, you, you, you wonder if, in fact... These poor folks are working with what they have, but like you said, Joe, ugh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, oh, gosh. But we're, you know, we're essentially, I think, almost probably four hundred million dollars and five episodes into that show, right? With their storytelling stuff, and then I watch Andor on Disney Plus, three episodes and like what a quarter of the budget at best, and that show does way better of a job really? storytelling. 
way better. Yeah, and it's, I, it's, it's another yeah. example of like a yeah. show where you know what's going to happen, like where it's going at the end. Yeah, the story plot is nothing special. They're not doing anything wild, but the characters feel real, and they knew you're invested in them. Although, and they oh. and they get good actors. Uh, the dude that plays Andor's do- adopted mother is she is a terrific actor. She was uh, uh, she was in Killing Eve and played an amazing character in Killing Eve. So the, uh, the so and I'm and I'm blanking on her. Name, I'll figure it out in a second. But uh, oh, I, it is Fiona Shaw. Fiona mm-hmm. Shaw, who plays Marva, is a terrific actor. So as soon as I saw her name on the screen, I'm like, okay, uh, you know what? They're getting they're getting quality people. And of course, you know they got Skarsgård, and he's fantastic. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård. So there's guys, you know, and they know how to do what they do. And like you said, even with Andor, you know what's going to happen, and and I'm not a real big fan of Cassian Andor. I'm really not. I mean, I didn't love Rogue One the way everybody else did. I thought it was a good movie, but people, it's this is the way a Star Wars movie should be done, and I'm like, eh, yeah, and I don't know if I'm 100% on board with you think this is the best Star Wars movie ever. But and Joey, you make a good point. Andor is so much better executed, and it's a similar situation. It's a basically story we already know, kind of. And yet they still do enough to make us care. Yeah. Did you get to watch it yet, Vicky? Not yet. It is on my list. It's one of those, like, I kept hearing mixed reviews on it. Like, I heard some people like, oh, this is so boring, blah, blah, blah. But then I hear the people saying that this is a masterpiece. And it has a lot of great actors, like you were saying. Uh, I didn't realize that Forrest Whitaker is also in this. Of course. Yeah. And because he was in Rogue One. Yeah. Totally forgot. Yeah, and uh, we haven't seen him yet in the mm-hmm. first three episodes. Yes, I mean, it's slow. And again, you know, if you love Andor, you know, then of course you're going to be invested into how he got to be where he is. And it's an interesting story. I- I'll give it that. Um, I was getting a little worried, but then when I saw how they were, it was basically, oh, okay, how he got together with Marva. I love, you know, I just love the whole thing. And it is a nice story about the Empire because that's what it's about. It's Even though it's about Andor, it really is... This is what was going on that created a resistance and a rebellion. The Empire really were filled with a-holes. And in the first episode, just the the trouble that he got into because of the arrogance of the Empire. And I love that there is arrogance in the Empire. And then there also are people that get that, you know what, we're kind of jerks sometimes. Let's just, you know, and you've got the two sides of arrogance and you know we can be we can be jerks sometimes, and 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 it's a great moment between two figures of the of the police department, if you will, where one was like, you know what? I mean, he called it. You know, talk about being a great policeman. He said, oh, I know what happened over here, even though he was nowhere near there. But the other policeman's like, no, dude, this is a crime. We got to do something about it. And of course, you know that creates all the horrible drama. But in reality. It's the story of the Empire just going, you know what? You don't realize when your own are being jerks. You guys are jerks. And if you just would have realized it, maybe there wouldn't have been a rebellion and we wouldn't have to have Luke run around doing stuff. Yeah, I really <laughs> wish that that we had gotten a Han Solo series. This movie, this show has proven to me that they could have made a Han Solo eight episode arc yeah. and it would have been a way better origin just a, than just a movie. Oh, okay. I was going to say like instead of a movie or continuation of a movie, you think? Yeah, definitely instead of a movie because this this arc does feel exactly like Han Solo. He's, okay. a, he's a rebel. He, you know, he's kind of out of place. He's stealing to survive. He's got his own backstory, but really it's just him joining the rebellion and then kind of similar to how Han would have probably became a bounty hunter as opposed to, you know, whatever he was before. Right. But man, it, it, it is shocking that I think people don't like it to me at all, but I can get the slow part of it, but the, the fight scenes are really well done in this show. Like, if you remember, BJ, mm. at the end of episode three, they're in that warehouse with all the oh, falling yeah. motors, and that's a oh, well-done that scene. That like, was a good scene, man. Yeah. And yeah. We didn't get that in, you know, Boba Fett, and we get that CGI style in Mandalorian, but Mandalorian's more cowboy-esque, where mm-hmm. it's kind of slower. This is fast-paced laser fighting in a, in a city. I'm wondering and, if it has something to do with when you have bigger name actors like you do in, uh, or, oh no, I was thinking Boba Fett. I was thinking, um, oh, the other one. Mandalorian? Man, no, no, no. Uh, uh, with uh, the pre- Ewan McGregor, pretty boy. Oh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, Obi-Wan. Freaking all the words of like. Ewan bleh. McGregor, pretty boy. We know what, whatever <laughs> you got to do to remember our buddy Obi-Wan. Well, like, here's the thing, though. Like, Ewan McGregor is a much bigger name than anybody else. Like, then in Boba Fett, then, you know, even Andor. So I think a lot of that money goes more towards 
the oh, actor that's what you're saying. than as opposed to like the CGI kind of budget, which this is my, my conspiracy theory. And that's part of why we're not getting as good a quality CGI. Because someone made a comment that the CGI from when we were kids, like for some of the movies and shows, are holding up better than some of the CGI we're getting now. Besides the way it was filmed, hmm. I think it's also because they're putting more money into getting these bigger name actors that that eats away at the budget. That's my guess, my conspiracy theory. It's possible. I mean, Andor set, I I don't know if you noticed, but it seemed really expansive. Like we've had yeah. a lot of, uh, you know, those uh, what we call the desert sets that we've seen over uh-huh. and over. But this one is almost completely different. Okay. Yeah. It, it looks. I, I don't have any CGI complaints at all, or you know, any complaints about Andor at all, as far as uh, as far as that's concerned. It is slow, and I will say this: Diego Luna, you know, uh, who, who plays Cassian, I go either way on him. I'm, you know, I'm not necessarily sure he is the greatest actor, and do I care a lot? There are moments I do, and moments I don't, which is why Rogue One for me wasn't the massive hit. That it was for everybody else. Um, I actually liked Han Solo, the Han Solo movie, better than I did Rogue One. And, and yet they're both good. And for me, I, I, Rogue One's a good movie. I'm not, I'll, I, right. I have it in my collection. Uh, it's, that's the problem. Diego Luna just doesn't do it for me completely, though. You know, I should say the Cassian Andor character, not, not Diego Luna, but the character mm-hmm. itself doesn't do it for me. Diego does a good enough job, and he definitely makes you think, like, okay, he's this stuff going on. Stellan Skarsgård, the character of Luthen, I am so stoked to see more of him because you can see, oh, this is a leader. This is, I mean, and, and just how he presented himself in that last episode. It's like, I want to see more just because w- he came on the screen. And it makes me think, okay, I'm excited about l- seeing the birth of the Rebel Alliance. I love this. Yeah, very exciting. But um... Talking about one show that has really, really good CGI to another show that... As much as I love the show, the CGI could be much better. <laughs> She-Hulk. Oh, yeah. man. I've been loving the all the hate it's been getting and all the hate they're throwing back. Like, social media-wise, they're like, okay, yeah, we, we know. We know you're not going to like it. And it makes fun of itself, and it doesn't take itself too seriously. Yeah, uh, I... Um I grew up with, uh, you know, Bill Bixby's Incredible Hulk and Lou Ferrigno and the green paint coming off his body when he's fighting somebody. So I also grew up with Nicholas Hammond playing the amazing Spider-Man and they threw a white net on somebody. and It looked like it was (laughs) made of rope. It was I mean, so I am never going to complain about anything when it comes to getting all of my cool characters on screen. I will always love Tatiana Maslany, who plays Jennifer Walters, She-Hulk. I've loved some of the guest characters that have been on the show, and I knew what this was going to be, and Mm -hmm. actually it exceeded my expectations. I knew it was going to be silly. They were going to make it like it's a sitcom. There was going to be fourth wall breaking. Yeah, I think the fourth wall breaking, because it doesn't feel super sitcom-y. But the fourth wall breaking does give it a whole different element than just a regular superhero show. It feels like a sitcom without an audience, and mm-hmm. with and and, and no laugh it's track. like a, li- a live action sitcom. Like there it has go. multiple sets, but it really feels like it's supposed to be a comedy uh, and a very dry comedy. And um, I just love Tatiana Maslany. <laughs> I think that I'm just biased. I thought when I, I her work in Orphan Black, I'm like, look, I'll watch anything she does. She's such a good, at- and I love what she's doing with the character. And yeah, the CGI, it's you know, I don't know. It's, I think it's a tall order to have <laughs> to have <laughs> her. Yeah, hey, six foot seven. I mean, when you think about it, like we're when we've seen Hulk and all that stuff, it's it's really hard. Even in the Avengers, I was kind of like, there were moments I'm like, okay, I'm not buying that this is really a real being, you know, mm-hmm. when, when with, with with smart Hulk, right. Professor Hulk. Um, whereas some of the other Hulk stuff, you go, well, you know, it's so fast, it's quick, whatever. Um, so I, I'm not as judgmental, Vicky, as everybody else is mm. as far as CGI. People are a little, I think, a, a fatigued with the stories because I think that, you know what, I, I'm going to just say it's, I feel like the stories aren't like beat em up, beat em up, beat em up, which is what a lot of people sometimes like in superhero stuff, you know, and, and you know, I, but I think it's cool. It's a, sh- a fun show based in a Marvel universe, but it's a fun show. Well, because even the the title of the show, it's not just She-Hulk. It's She-Hulk Attorney at Law. So she's constantly saying, like, yes, technically I am a superhero, but I don't want to be a superhero. I have completely, like, focused my entire adult life into becoming 
a lawyer. Like I have gone into debt like many millennials have to get this job to, you know, be taken seriously, especially as a woman. Like so she doesn't really have any real desire to be She-Hulk, but she's kind of seeing that maybe people like her more when she is. So it's like that weird battle of like putting this front up of like who people want to see you as, but then trying to figure out who you really are. It's like I as a as a gal, it's it's gonna be cheesy, but like I totally relate to it. That feeling of, hmm, who do I need to be for everyone else? But is that really what I want to be for myself? And I think it's okay for somebody to say, this show is not for me. No. And, and look, if you ha- if you happen to be like, like I- I'm in my 60s and I'm a dude, this show really shouldn't be for me. Ms. Marvel really shouldn't have been for me. But mm-hmm. I would argue that both shows have done enough to get me interested, even though I'm not represented. I'm really not. No. But then again, I mean, uh, you know, uh, how many shows did women have to watch and people of color ever have to watch where they weren't represented, but they still said, I still enjoy the show. So that's my attitude is like, I don't need to be represented myself because I had the privilege of being represented so much over the years that I can just watch a show for being a show. But then again, if you don't like a show because it's not for you, well, okay, that's cool, too. You just don't have to beat the heck out of it or say it's crap. Mm -hmm. It's just not for you. But uh, try to tell the Internet that. It it is great. Like, we've gotten some great characters, like Madison with the Y, with two N's, but the Y's not where you think it is with Wongers. Oh. I know it. it, It's it's so silly and it's perfect for it. Like it, especially with you. Like, okay, I loved Game of Thrones when it was on. Obviously, I had my thoughts about the last few seasons and I haven't gotten to watch Game of Thrones because it feels a little heavier, especially reading all these articles saying like, oh, there was this type of scene and everyone's kind of either up in arms or a little put off by it. So when I see something that's silly and lighthearted and can make fun of itself, um, that's kind of why I've been like more into She-Hulk than wanting to see other movies because, yeah, we just need some lightheartedness sometimes. And that's cool. I mean, that's the thing. Here's a shocker. You get to watch what you want. Wow. Right? And but, you like, don't have to go, go on the Internet and go, I hate everything else that's not what I want. Okay. And we'll talk about this on the next episode, but I am totally loving the idea right now of when it comes to a quote-unquote strong female character not being perfect in the sense of, Like, whenever you think of, I'm thinking, like, 90s badass, like, super ladies, like, even, uh, I'm totally blanking on her name, but the gal from The Matrix. Oh, Um, yeah, Trinity, yes. Trinity. Like, when when you think of, like, 90s superhero ladies, you think of just badass and poised, knows how to say the right thing at the exact, like, right time, perfect hair and everything. And we are now getting a whole bunch of dorky super ladies, in a sense. Like... My best example would be Huntress from Birds of Prey movie. If you haven't seen it, definitely check oh, it out. Oh, yeah. It's oh, on, yeah, yeah, yeah. on HBO Max. But there's a part where she's in the mirror. She's like, I'm Huntress. Like, trying to be yes. a badass. But she's such a dork like the rest of us girls. Like, she's so realistic. Like, girls aren't perfect. And I think we kind of get tired of seeing that perfection on screen. Like, no, we are just as dorky as, like, a kid Spider-Man trying to figure his life out and being silly. Like, I love that Jennifer Walters is kind of a dork sometimes. And that is something that I think a lot of dudes just don't even know that that's going on in the world of women. And mm-hmm. therefore, they and maybe they do or don't have similar problems. And that's that's the thing is you're watching something going, I don't relate to this. I mean, that's my thing with a lot of CW shows. I like, you know, I'm like, maybe this is really happening for a lot of young women, what's ever being portrayed on this show. But it fatigues the heck out of me. I would argue, though, that, you know, what some of the Disney stuff and some of the stuff is well as better written. Sorry, Flash, but you've had eight seasons. I just I I think you just run out of stuff to do. Um, But even then, it's not for me. Some people still like a lot of stuff that's on those shows. And it's like, well, I shouldn't. It's not it's not targeted towards me. That doesn't mean I'm going to run around on the Internet and go, let me tell you, CW, you guys are crap. It's like, no, I mean, it's not for me. And every once in a while, there's a show that's so great that it is for me, even though it shouldn't be for me. That's that's when you realize you've got a piece of great art. When you go, I I can't believe I'm relating to this character who is nothing like me, and yet I'm relating to this character. That's when you know they've done a great job. And you haven't seen any yet, Joe, right? I have not. I did watch a couple of uh, quick clips, which mm-hmm. I, I laughed at. There's one scene in She-Hulk, I think episode three maybe, where mm-hmm. she's getting angry and talking about how she's been more angry than Hulk. Oh, that's, I think, the 
first or second episode, yeah. yeah. And and she's like and she's literally hulking out and like it's just a very very simple therapeutic scene where he, she is clearly wrong and they're showing you that she's wrong and it's people like, are I like I know how to control my anger. I do it every single day. Okay. Yeah, and people are like I can't believe she said that. And I'm like, well, she was wrong. That was that was the point of the scene. Right. That's why he's sitting there trying to mentor her. I was like, why are you playing like, about just this? because you keep it inside doesn't mean that it's not affecting you. Yeah, it's just like I don't know. People get up in arms about nothing, but that's why we have a billion streaming services and that's why yes. we can choose to watch what we want. But what we do have to get to next is The Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, what do you have for us? So, a lot of movies that are going to be coming out in the next couple of weeks, and I'll even maybe talk about some that have already come out that you may want to check out if you haven't already. Uh, surprise, surprise. Okay, this is a little surprising, because I feel like all the horror movies come out at the beginning of the year, especially when it's kind of slow in the like the C-level, maybe even D-level movie, horror movies, but we're getting a lot right now. I feel like Halloween, and I am not complaining, has become very, quote-unquote, mainstream. It has become, like, everyone's obsessed with horror movie, and I don't know if, like, true crime documentaries have had, like, their input, which I do have to talk about a true crime movie, or, there a, or series, I should say. Is there a more visited website than the countdown to the next Halloween ticker? Right? <laughs> everyone loves that. But, like, all the amount of horror movies, I keep seeing this one, and it freaks me out, and I feel like, is this a prequel to, the, like, The Joker? What is this? It's called Smile, as of oh, right I now. Have, yeah, I've been seeing commercials for this. It is real creepy looking, you know, creepy smile and a girl in a body bag as the cover photo. Uh, 78% on Rotten Tomatoes as of right now. Wow. Only 18 reviews, though. Uh, It's got an actress named Sozie Bacon. And if you're wondering, is she how many degrees of Kevin Bacon? Well, she comes from Kevin Bacon. Oh, Saucy Bacon. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Saucy, is that how you say it? No, I'm just saying. Okay, Saucy. Saucy. (laughs) And is, is Kira Sedgwick her mom? Yes. Oh, look at this. She's, man, you, you, you can say what you want about nepotism. I don't know if I know anything about that. Nope. But, I mean, the idea being is, is that, yeah, the kids usually don't fall too far from the acting tree. Mm-hmm. It also has actors like Jesse Usher, which you may not recognize that name, but you would recognize A-Train from The Boys. Oh, oh Jesse. Cal- I actually did recognize that name, but I didn't know where until you said. Cal Penn is also in this. And I, Rob Morgan, who is that guy you see in everything? But you're like, who is he? He's in Stranger Things. He was also in pretty much every single Netflix Marvel show. Uh, he was like the um, one of the sheriffs in Stranger Things as well as like kind of the the scummy. Like he had an in for everything for all the superheroes. He'd oh, rec- great character actor. Oh, yeah. Uh, but just definitely horror mystery thriller vibe. It says, after witnessing a bizarre traumatic traumatic incident involving a patient, Dr. Rose Cotter, played by Sozie Bacon, starts experiencing frightening occurrences that she can't explain as an overwhelming terror begins taking over her life. Oh, boy. Rosie, uh, Rose must confront her troubling past in order to survive and escape her horrifying new reality. Yeah, like BJ said, like, all the ads for this have been everywhere. I will not be watching this. No, that, that 78% is, uh, is pretty sweet, though. And look, this is, for a lot of people, Halloween, and, and uh, the, mm-hmm. these movies will be coming out. Not bad, 78. No, the, I can't do that smile thing, man. That does creep me out, that clownish type smile. I just, she ooh, has a cringe. really nice smile to, like, I don't know if it's, like, her teeth or something, but, like, it's very menacing but sweet at the same time, which makes it even more menacing. <laughs> but like I did say, there's more thriller, horror, mystery type things. There is one called Vesper, which is more along the lines of something BJ might like. Because oh. it's more sci-fi. All right, I'm, I'm always up for sci-fi. Only 16 reviews, but it does have 88% so far on oh, Rotten Tomatoes. Vesper, okay. Vesper, so it's it's going to be in theaters, but you can also buy it to watch on Apple TV. So if you don't want to go to a theater, oh, you can Apple definitely TV, check it out. I, see you. Like I, I have Apple TV Plus. I wonder if they'll give it to me free. Maybe. Come on, uh, Apple TV Plus. But it says, after the collapse of Earth's ecosystem... Vesper, a 13-year-old girl struggling to survive with her father, must use her wit, strength, and biohacking abilities to fight for the future. Ooh, it does sound good. Uh, Next one on here is called Mona Lisa and the Blood Moon. This is like, just looking at the poster, I thought, oh, is this like a stoner movie? Just because that's kind of what it looks like when you see the... Okay, I feel like with Blood Moon... Yeah, look at that. What the heck? Oh, yeah, what's happening? Someone's going to die with a Blood Moon, aren't they? Yeah, because it's a gal. She's wearing property of H-O-M-I-A. Okay. Cheeto. It looks like she's wearing a straight jacket, actually. Oh. But Kate Hudson stars in this, as well as Ed Screen, which uh, we also know him as uh, Francis from Deadpool 1. And he was in Game of Thrones for a hot minute. Craig Robinson's also in this. Well, there's a guy. There's a couple guys. Uh, 
When a struggling single mother, Kate Hudson, befriends a mysterious mental institute escapee with supernatural powers, she sees a lucrative opportunity to make some fast cash. But when they draw attention of Detective Craig Robinson's character, their luck starts to run out as the cops close in on their crime spree. Okay. Yeah. What? All right, then. It's supposed to be like mystery, thriller, and sci-fi. I love this plan. thriller, comedy, sci-fi, stupidity. (laughs) You had me at Craig Robinson. Right. It does actually sound pretty funny, though, like in a good way. Like, I, I don't know what to expect. I don't, like, it's one of those, like, I have low expectations, but then I kind of get high expectations. <laughs> like, I don't think I'll be disappointed either way. It could be really bad, and I'll still enjoy it. Or it could be really great, and I'll be very excited about that. Uh, another one on here is called God's Creatures, another drama mystery thriller. That one is only get, is getting 92% so far with 26 Whoa, reviews. I don't know okay. if I mentioned the, the last movie, Mona Lisa and the Blood Moon has 75% with 32 reviews. So far, the movies they're releasing this time of year, at least at least the critics are liking. So far, yeah. Like, I mean, obviously, it could change when you get, like, 100 more reviews, but this one's about in a windswept fishing village. A mother is torn between protecting her beloved son and her own sense of right and wrong. A lie she tells for him rips apart their family and close-knit community in a tense, sweepingly emotional epic. So oh, this wow. sounds like it's going to be more on the dramatic side, but Head it's going to be... I'm going to pass on that one. Yeah, I yeah. think it's, is there any aliens? Is there any pew-pew? No, Anything no like pew-pews. That? No pew-pew? Anybody like <laughs> kicking somebody in the eye? Nothing okay. like that? No martial? Okay. This is another Apple TV uh, only exclusive, I guess. All right. And this cracks me up because there's the joke. Whenever there's a closed down store, like a Sears, a Kmart, um, any other, <laughs> what, a uh, Borders yeah, bookstore... Yeah, you've hit them. Yeah, the, you've hit the, all the places that are having a hard time. What happens when those places close down? Who moves in? Zombies. Oh. Kind of, but no. Like, <laughs> uh, not in the movie world, in our world. Blue lighties? I mean, that's who moved into the Kmart. No, no. No, because they have blue light specials. They're looking for, they're still, even though they're gone, they're still looking for their special. No. If there is a commercial space for lease, who rents it? Oh, uh, Amazon. Especially this time of year. Oh, oh, oh uh, the Spirit, Spirit Halloween, Halloween store. Spirit Halloween. Now I see what you're saying. Yes. The movie. Any? Oh, wow. <laughs> this definitely looks like a kid's movie. It is not going to be super, super Is it super a commercial scary. for Spirit Halloween? Good for them. I guess it is supposed to be one, but you got a big name like Christopher Lloyd. Wow. And, I'm Marty. Right? And then uh, Rachel Lee Cook. <laughs> who we know. Uh, Rachel Lee Cook was what the one of those teen movies. I'm blanking on the name of it right now. Another but, teen movie. Right? There we go. Uh, when a spirit Halloween store opens in a deserted strip mall, three middle school friends who think they've outgrown trick-or-treating make a, make a dare to spend the night locked inside the store Halloween night. But they soon find out that the store is haunted by an angry evil spirit who has possessed the creepy animatronic characters. And the kids will need to embark on a thrilling and spooky adventure in order to survive the night and avoid becoming possessed themselves. And oh this boy. definitely says genre kids and family holiday fantasy adventure. So it's not going to be super scary, but it might be one if you have younger kids in your life. This might be one for you, maybe like pre-teenage. Well, they got some good, like, they have some good displays at the Spirit Halloween store. Like, you know, how they're making these. So they, who knows what these things coming to life mm-hmm. are going to do. And all of these have either come out this week or are coming out this week. All right. So if you see any of them, please let us know. We would like to hear what you think. And until all next right. time, stay nerdy.